0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. This morning we are eighth week into our sermon series on John. And um, today I... I think I came both with a really excited heart and kind of a heavy heart into what we'd be talking about today. The the sermon title is very simply, Satisfied. Satisfied. And I think I come with a little bit of a heavy heart because of conversations I've had recently with um, with some people I really love that um, had a lot of questions in... In their faith, um, or walking away from their faith because of this idea of satisfied, just, um, I, you know, when I um, cried out to God, I didn't know where he was, and um, man, so so with that, I, um, when Jesus promises in John 4, which is what we're going to be looking at today, and he says, if you drink the water that I have to give you, you will never thirst again, again. Um, If you drink the water I give you, you will never thirst again. I want to come into that really seriously and say, is that true? (laughs) What does that mean? What is Jesus really offering when he says that? Um, So with that, um, just kind of holding ourselves up to God and saying, God, show yourself to me again. Uh, Let's pray and dive into John 4 together. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Everything, everything we see and everything we know um, was created by you, was created for you. Um, Our lives are are not made, weren't made by you to live for ourselves, but all these things, God, all these things, we wrestle with perspective, we wrestle with hearts that that can love um, with their all and, and know that they are loved, know that we are loved by you, God, I pray that, This morning will be a very healing time for us, healing our perspectives, healing our hearts, uh, letting us participate in the life that you and you alone offer. I pray that today we all will say yes again to what you offer. We praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, John. The idea that has led us through the book of John is this, that that each of us comes from a very different place. Um, Our journey through our life getting to this place and our journey through this last week coming to this place is very different. Some of us come from um, really uh, poor families, others from maybe fantastically rich families. Others come from um, quiet families towns some of us come from busy cities some of us come from families of faith families that we grew up with the idea of a God who came and gave his life and like the song says shed his blood for us that that is like just as normal to hear as someone saying hey do you want a McDonald's hamburger right like like it's it's very common for us to hopefully actually that isn't common for any of you to be offered McDonald's hamburger—that was a bad illustration. I apologize, um, but it's very common for us to hear about Jesus and about things of faith. And for for some of us, when when we open the Bible, it is like it's a whole new language, completely new ideas to us. Uh, no matter where you come from, the Book of John is for you, whether God seems close or out of touch and far away. Um, John ends with this big idea that these things were written, everything in the book of John was written, that you may believe in Jesus as the Messiah, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus came, God became flesh, and says, and moved into our neighborhood. And by putting our faith in him, we can have real and true life. So the question I'm gonna lead off with us for this week is this. If someone were to ask you, on a scale from one to ten, how satisfied are you? Scale from one to ten, if and I'm not gonna ask you to like hold up a scorecard or anything, though that would be very entertaining. Um, where are you at right now, satisfied in your life? What are you looking to get out of life? What are you doing to get that thing out of life? That you want. And uh, a song that comes to mind often for me, uh, U2's song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Um, There's that line that, you know, he goes, I have climbed the highest mountain. He talks about all these things, both adventures he's gone on, falling in love, speaking with the tongue of angels, all these things, but he comes to this refrain at the end, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Have you found? what you're looking for. I had a buddy in college that anytime you asked him how he was doing, he would always say, live in the dream. Live in the dream. And really what he meant by that was, don't ask me a question. Like he, he actually wasn't, he wasn't living his best life now, right? But he, what he was saying was like, he just wanted to, to just just like you'd say, good. Live in the dream. Most of us, like that answer, I think we fake it till we make it, right? Are you satisfied? Even if you're a four and someone says, hey, how you doing? You'd probably say, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing all right. Thinking that, that maybe eventually, maybe around the next corner, you're going to find that thing that will finally satisfy you. The big idea today is that satisfaction doesn't come in from faking it till we make it. Satisfaction is moving from fake to faith. It's move, moving from being in a place where you aren't known, uh, being in a place where you feel like you are dissatisfied, to a place of being fully known by God. And that is a place of satisfaction. That's um, where we are in John 4. Jesus has this incredible interaction with a, a woman who. Um, I think if you asked her how she was doing, um, she would probably say live in the dream. Um, this is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because she is, um, she's kind of sassy. It's, it's, it's a while. I don't, I don't know if that's okay to say that, but um, but that's who we meet in John 4. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me there. We're going to look at verses 1 through 42 um, this is how it reads. Now, Jesus learning that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, uh, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went uh, back once more to Galilee. So to pause with me really quick, um, I think this is <laughs> this is just a crazy context we find ourselves in. Um, it says, when Jesus... Learned that the Pharisees heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Skip to the last verse that says, then he leaves. What this means is that, that once Jesus hears that people think he is popular, he goes, I'm out. So the, the, this, the Pharisees, who were, were the guys uh, who basically led the church back then, when they heard that Jesus was gaining a lot of followers... Instead of Jesus playing into that and saying, look, I've got a lot of followers. You should probably listen to me. Instead of playing into that popularity, he gets out of town. Isn't that crazy? Instead of going, yeah, see, everyone's following me, he goes, I'm out. (laughs) And he leaves and he goes to a place where where the Pharisees probably would have uh, thought of him as just being out of control. This place called Samaria where the Pharisees um, looked down upon. So verse four, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water. And so he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replies. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now uh, have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but the Jews claimed the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. The woman, he replied, "Uh, believe me A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or or, why are you talking with her? Then leaving her jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and the other reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. And then this is the result of all of this. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him and they urged him to stay with them, he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We know that this man really is the savior of the world. Meeting Jesus here, we meet... um, a man, even though gaining popularity, has escaped and is in a place um, where no one will follow him, <laughs> and we meet at the same time a woman who um, also is, at this point, an outcast. Uh, we, I preached on this about eight weeks ago, maybe, actually no, about, <laughs> 16 weeks ago, um, and we looked at how this lady, Um, is an outcast from her community. Um, It's noon in the middle of the day. It's hot out. Um, She's by herself. Um, Back when she lived, uh, the women would go out of their village together uh, before the start of the day, when it was cool, uh, to all go and gather water together. And here we find this woman by herself. She's a social outcast, and we learn later why. It's because... Because no one wanted to spend time with this woman who was seen as probably promiscuous. Um, and so she is an outcast and no one wants to spend time with her. But we don't see her as defeated. We see her cool and defiant, a very, what we call like a modern woman, right, independent. Like, I don't need you, right? I'm, I'm good by myself. I don't care what you think of me. And so, when she meets Jesus, she isn't hungering for attention, and she's not even hungering for interaction. She's just kind of cool. And so, we see Jesus not picking up on this social cue, talking to her. I was in Colorado this last week, and, and uh, you know, flying down there, I thought of this as like that person who sits by you on the plane, and even though I have my earbuds in, they still try to strike up a conversation. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're ready just to dial in and just like listen to your favorite podcast on the flight. And they're like, "Hey, where are you going? Are you do you live in Denver?" And you're like, "This is my time," right? And and that's where she's at. I think she goes by herself out there, not wanting to interact. And and so Jesus strikes up a conversation, saying something very neutral. "Will you give me a drink?" Hey. Can you get some water? And, and the setting is, is like full of awkwardness. I don't know if you've ever been in the same place with someone of the opposite sex and you're just like very aware of them like, and, and then all of a sudden like you ask a question and the other person's probably like, they're hitting on me. That, that, right? That's awkward to say it that way, but this is the setting. They're both chilling by a well. And Jesus is like, "Hey, can I get a drink?" And so she, probably thinking that he is hitting on her. Yeah, that's the context, okay? <laughs> this is. Uh, she says to him, I, and we don't know how this plays out. If she's like responding flirtatiously or just responding like common sense, if she's annoyed with him, <laughs> it could be. Any one of those, her response is very simply, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? So she's not, she's not giving any ground here. Uh, we don't know what she is thinking. But quickly the conversation turns when Jesus goes real deep and clarifies exactly where he's at. And he says to her, <laughs> Listen. So she just said to him, "Hey, we're not supposed to be talking." And, and he goes, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water." So Jesus takes this conversation in a drastically like he starts clarifying where he's going in this conversation, and uh, and she decides to kind of follow him there. And, and, and she kind of falls in there by just straight up doubting what he is saying. Well, I don't think you're greater than Jacob. And so Jesus responds to her. This is verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You will never, ever thirst again. And so speaking deeper than water, speaking about more than just food and, and drink, Jesus is calling her deeper saying, I have something that I'm offering you where you'll be forever, forever satisfied and the woman wants this. The woman is, is willing to give it a shot. And so she simply says, sir, give me this water. I want to be satisfied. I want to go from a four, wherever I'm at. I'm going to go to a 10. I want to be satisfied. <clears throat> and so if you're following along in your notes, this is the first one. That, that Jesus doesn't simply say to her, here you go. This is how you do it. It's not like three ways to be eternally satisfied. What Jesus does is show that she is, where she's at, totally unable to participate in what he has. So point one is this, that satisfaction means dropping all our facades, dropping our false fronts. Because right now, this woman, right, she doesn't need Jesus, she doesn't need her town, she doesn't need anything. All, you know, She's just coming, totally self-confident, and so Jesus shows her that she, she has something in the way of actually being satisfied. It's this false front, fa- facade. Um, I don't know if you've watched like old Western movies. And in an old Western movie, if you're walking through town, you're ready for a gunfight or whatever you do in a Western town, um, you see all these buildings that look like they're two or three stories tall, but really if you look behind them, they're all just like, like one-room shacks. <laughs> But, but the, the front makes it look really amazing. And that's its called a facade. It looks way more impressive than it actually is. And this is, this is Jesus very precisely, surgically removing her false front. This false confidence, this bravado that she has by simply saying, she goes, give me your water. And Jesus says, go call your husband. Go call your husband. And for her, she finds herself completely exposed. Because no longer is she represented by who she wants to be, but who she actually is. She's no longer represented by who she wants to be or who she wants to be known as. Because some of us are even, like, honestly, some of you maybe are even known as that person who, like, is, like, hardcore for Jesus, but maybe that's even a facade for you, right? No matter what we want to be known by, Jesus comes and he starts removing that from us. So so he shows us, like, I actually know who you are at a deeper level. All those things that we want to be known by, things that we want to give a good impression of, whether that's honestly for some of us. It could be removing ourselves from people when we find ourselves in those places where we just don't want to be known, For some of us, it could be always making jokes. For some of us, it could be buying things that make us look like we have everything together. (laughs) Whatever those false fronts are, what Jesus comes, the first step towards satisfaction is this, that Jesus confronts our facades and he helps us tear those facades away. So to make this really personal to us, to you, here's my question. What... Question: Would Jesus ask you that in that one moment you'd be totally exposed? Do you guys realize how how like Jesus just like south pause her? like he just goes in, boom! She didn't see it coming. Like she thought she was ready just to sign up for satisfaction, and Jesus comes in from nowhere and says. Go call your husband. What is that thing that if Jesus said that to you, all of a sudden you'd be like, don't go there. Well, I thought we were talking about satisfaction. I thought you had something cool for me. and I, I didn't know you were going to talk about that thing that I wanted nobody to know about. <laughs> and that, that's what Jesus does. Because satisfaction starts by tearing away the facades. Is there something Jesus could ask you right now that all of a sudden you'd be, you'd be totally exposed just one thing, one word maybe. And so the woman the woman falls back on on what she knows, and, and as you read, you can see like what she falls back on is is kind of religious rationalizing. And the amazing thing about this is that that when Jesus starts exposing her. What you start seeing in her is that she has a tremendous amount of knowledge. A tremendous amount of knowledge. Because she starts like whipping out things from like what she probably heard in Sunday school. <laughs> like that she just starts like rationalizing why she is where she's at. And, and right. And so she starts talking about like, well, you Jews and us Samaritans and, and I know the Messiah might come eventually. And when the Messiah comes, and this is incredible. She says, when the Messiah comes, he's going to let us know. And so she like, puts up this wall of religion right? where she goes, well, maybe someday far away, don't worry, I'll be confronted by those things. But I'm not ready. Right? I think a lot of us, we have listened to so many sermons, or, or maybe some of us I went to Sunday school growing up, but we've heard so much that, that honestly all of you know the way to satisfaction in Jesus, but we're just not doing it. And we think it's still so far away. And we can, in a moment, draw up all those lessons we have, all the lessons we've been taught along the way. And in a moment, we can recite them for somebody else. Okay? And then what Jesus does here is he says, it's not far away. It's not far off, but I who speak to you am he. It's present, Right? It's present. It's not far away. Um, in Acts 17, we have Paul who's preaching to people in Athens. Uh, if you know anything about Athens, it's a place where a lot of philosophers came from. So really interesting people. Um, like philosophers, um, I know you just covet long conversations with them. Jesus went to this place, uh, not Jesus, Paul went to this place where all the philosophers were. And and he started dialoguing with, with them about um, about these faiths that they had, these beliefs that they had. And what happened was, was he observed that, that even though they talked all the time, they still saw God as being something that was unknown and far and removed. And they actually had an idol to an unknown God. And what's crazy about it is, like, honestly, I think this is really similar to you and me and our culture, is that on, if I sat down with any one of you, and i started talking about jesus or religion or politics you'd probably even you would be surprised with how much you just that came to mind honestly you guys have like so much knowledge like in a moment all this stuff would come to mind but still i think for a lot of us it would still seem like something that we had just heard are you tracking with me you know what i mean like like i think probably if i asked you the questions that no one has ever asked you before, even like, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Like, has anyone ever, ever asked you that? I, I don't know, because we don't have talk, we don't talk like this. If I was like, hey, just tell me what do you think the gospel is? Like, you could probably bring up something pretty brilliant. I believe in you guys, right? Like, you could probably start talking about something pretty impressive, and yet it would still maybe, to some of you, seem really far away. And so, Paul addressing these Athenians who had this unknown God, who probably could sound super smart, but they had this God who seemed far away. What Paul writes to them or says to them in Acts 17 is this. He says, God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hand. And he is not served by human hands as if he, he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they would all they they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. See, what he's saying here is that this God who maybe seems far away, he is, he is not far away. He actually created you and your whole life, everything in history and your life, now at this moment, is is all under his care. That's who this God that we we talk about. Um, it says here in 27, God did this so that they would seek him, that we would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. Though he is not far away from any of us. That means no matter where you go, it could be downtown Bremerton, it could be, it could be in like, like Russia, or like wherever you go, that means what we can tell people is God isn't far away from you. Like there's things, I really believe this, there's things in all of our experience crying out, look, look God, and, and probably anywhere you go and you just sat and talked with somebody, they have had thoughts, they have had these formations in their mind that have been crying out for God. And, and literally it says here, he is not far away from us. 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Paul's quoting their, their pagan poets. It's saying, like, like there's things in your mind that that have been swirling around that are, are God, is close. So satisfaction is not far away. What they are just waiting for is to hear Jesus say, I am he. I'm the one. I'm the one you're looking for. And what this creates is, is just amazing. If you're in John 4, What happens is this. Um, The disciples return. The disciples return. And it says they were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? So if satisfaction isn't far away, why aren't we experiencing it more often? And I think one of the reasons is this. And this is like, this is really serious for us. One of the reasons is because we don't talk about it. Why is it that it's like these things caught up in us and we don't talk about it? So so the disciples come back and they observe what's happening and you know what they do? Nothing. Like how many of us is it the same thing? Like, Like we come on a Sunday morning and we we hear someone speak about Jesus. And maybe even during that time we had this light bulb moment and we're like, man, that's good. And then we go and we just never talk about it. Or you go through your day and maybe it's a hard day and you don't talk about it. Maybe you read something in the Bible and it's good and you don't talk about it. And so what's in your heart and in your mind is just captured in those places and never is released, never is let go of, never, we never receive. And so we find ourselves, I think, you and I, oftentimes in the place of these disciples who just don't ask. We don't talk. And because of that, it walks right by us and it seems so far away. What happens to the woman is very different. She finds herself in Jesus, and the third point is this: that satisfied people share what they've found. Satisfied people share what they've found. Um, I think you could also say satisfied people don't shut up, right? Like, like she she goes absolutely nuts with this. If you turn with me to, to John four twenty eight, this is what we see happen to the woman. Then leaving her water jar, the woman goes back to town and said to the people. So this is, this is packed full here um, in, in 28, leaving her water jar. So we find the woman who has gone to, to the well. All she has is her water jar. She's just like left people. She's been like, I don't care what you're thinking about. She goes, and all of a sudden, what she's found in Jesus, she leaves her water jar which is significant. Like that for us represents for her kind of the way she's found satisfaction in her life. Like just kind of time by herself, you know, quenching her thirst by pulling up water. And she just goes, okay, I don't need that. Like she just takes off. Like she is so excited about what she's found in Jesus. She just kind of leaves everything. And the second thing is this, that she goes back to her community that has rejected her. She goes back into town. And she starts yelling. She starts speaking to the people who, who have probably just been really hurtful with the way they've spoken to her, or the way they've rejected her. And she says to them, Come and see a man who has told me everything I ever did come and see. This is the refrain in John that we get over and over again. Come and see Jesus. And, and it doesn't, she doesn't say, come and see the man who can satisfy your thirst. She says something that is revealing herself to them. And he, she goes, come and see one who's told me everything I ever did. And you know what? I, I think they probably thought, oh, we know what you've done. Like, we know you. You've had five husbands, and the person you're with right now just isn't your husband. Like, we know you're, oh man, we know you. And because of that, like, we've rejected you. Like, we've talked about this before. Right? Like, she goes back to this place, and she's just open. She's like, I don't, like, I still don't really care what you think about me, but it's totally different this time. It's not because I'm defying you, it's because I love you, and I know you know me, and I want to be known by you. Like, I want you to know that I know you know me, but I've met somebody who's known me and loved me, and now I find satisfaction completely. Like, this is phenomenal, guys. This is absolutely incredible. Come and meet Jesus. And this is really available to us too as we invite other people to come and be satisfied in Jesus. When we found him who, who knows us completely, pries deeply into our lives, reveals us to ourself, and then we go around to others unashamed now because we've been known by God and we want others to know us and we want other people to see Jesus and she invites them back and so the, the town in Mass comes out to meet Jesus. And, and I, I guarantee you what they were thinking was, man, if, if this lady who was so screwed up is this, like, ridiculously changed and satisfied and confident, like, I'm oh, in. <laughs> like, they, they go out simply to meet this person who's changed the life of this woman who they, they just didn't care about her at all, right? It's amazing. Satisfaction is dropping our facades, Satisfaction isn't far away. It's shown up, and it's shown up in the person of Jesus. And if you have found satisfaction in Him, you will share recklessly also. Because it doesn't matter if people know the person you've been. Because Jesus knows you completely, and He's still offering Himself to you. I am He. I'm not far away, I'm present. He's still so present in our lives. Um, I asked Vern if I could share this story. Um, right before our first gathering, uh, Vern and I were chatting. And uh, and he reminded me, uh, two weeks ago, him and I sat down. Um, and he was experiencing... Um, just a time where he, I mean, you guys know Vern. Every time he gets done speaking, people, like up here, people are like, "Isn't that guy awesome?" Like, like we love Vern. And and but Vern came to me and he goes, he goes, "Man, honestly, like I just haven't, I haven't felt close to God in, in a while now." And he and he goes and, and as we talked, like he goes, I, I, basically, I think I know what it is." <laughs> uh, for him, it was fantasy baseball. He just got really consumed with it, and um, and he knew that that was kind of like his his weak thing. And, uh, and so as we talked, he, he decided to, to surrender that completely to Jesus. There were some other things going on, but, um, it was really cool because talking to him right before first gathering, he goes, man, the last two weeks have been amazing, absolutely amazing. Like I've, I've just felt God so near and God is so good. And what was amazing about that is even two weeks later, Vern was like, "Daniel, like you know me and and so we could like live that out together, this experience of satisfaction in God, Vern willing to be known completely, and Vern being willing to walk in into that. Um, what I want to um, invite you guys into is that life of satisfaction in Jesus and there's there's two questions that i want to I want to ask that probably are burning in your heart. Um, One is, is it possible never to thirst again? Um, Some of you guys are Christians. (laughs) Like, let's have a moment of honesty. Some of you guys are Christians, and you come to church on Sunday, and you're like, this is hellishly boring. Right, like, like maybe you're not thrilled by it. I I don't know. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I've signed up for this thing a while ago, and and like, right now, honestly, I'm considering walking away, because I'm just not satisfied anymore. Um, Is it possible to never thirst again? Some people just drive by playing really loud Mexican music, that happens. Um, so, th- is it possible to never thirst again? And the the second thing is, do we have to be at a level 10 always in satisfaction um, to, to be walking with Jesus? And actually, that second question, uh, I was asked after the first gathering, so I included that. Um, so, so the first question is this, is it possible never to thirst again? And, and the answer is, is this. It is possible if you commit to not trying to feed yourself or not trying to find it yourself. Um, oftentimes, us who have heard from Jesus and we've responded to Jesus, and in one time, no one could shut us up because we were so satisfied in Jesus. Um, and, and we went after life like we were just lit on fire. And then, and then somewhere along the way, honestly, we just turned back to satisfying ourselves. Um, I heard a statistic this last week that just blew me away. And, and I think it kind of points to this. And, and it was this, that every year... Um, the average Netflix user watches 568 hours of Netflix. That averages out to one hour and 33 minutes of Netflix a day. And so for you who have Netflix and watch like 10 minutes a week, right, that evens out to some people watching like 10 hours a day. So, uh, and I just, I just say that because how we seek it ourselves is, for a lot of us, we've just kind of gone on neutral, and whatever sounds good, we do it. And then we come and we're like, well, why am I not satisfied? And the, the answer is, honestly, we've just kind of gone about life ourselves. We've gone about it for ourselves and by ourselves, by our greatest ideas, and we aren't actually walking in obedience to Jesus anymore. Okay? And so the second question is, if you're walking in obedience to Jesus, that means you're out of 10 all the time. And the answer is no. <laughs> in the Bible, it says that the mercies of God are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The mercies of God are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Because that means that you guys wake up on the wrong side of the bed 80% of the time. (laughs) And me 90% of the time. Like I'm not singling you out. That means like your days you wake up sometimes and you feel like like you're just horrible. Right? Like (laughs) like you wake up and you're, you're like, I just don't want to greet the day. And that does not mean you're not a follower of Jesus. That means you have, to, you have to take advantage of his mercies that are new for that day. That means you have to speak about Jesus to those that you love. And you need to hear about Jesus from those you love on a daily basis. That means that, that when Jesus comes and he asks us that question that reveals, I would say, our first facade. And we start following him. Then we're going we're gonna to watch him slowly show us things in our life that we can be faithful to walk in and be faithful to sacrifice to him. That means a week after the, the woman at the well experienced freedom, she needed somebody to come up to her and be like, hey, how are those relations in your, relationships in your life going? <laughs> because she found freedom, but a week later, my guess is that she still was like, man, what did he say was true? And she needed somebody to come along and say, man, remember when you talked to Jesus. <laughs> And he gave you satisfaction that was incomparable, that nothing in the world could compare to. And we need to speak in those ways. We need to remind each other of the mercies of God that are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness to us. So where are you at? One to ten. Where are you at? I want you seriously to ask yourself this question. And I want you to seriously sit down in that well with Jesus. And hear him casually look over and be like, hey, what are you drinking? (laughs) And we're like, what are you talking about? And Jesus to go, you know what? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you, you would ask him. And he would give you living water. Guys, Jesus does offer you living water. I invite you to expose your heart and your mind fully to him. Let him see you again, not for who you want to be, but for who you are. And let him say again to you, I love you, come and experience my life. And when you experience that, don't shut up. Share it radically with the people around you. Be willing to say, man, Jesus told me all the things I've ever done, believe me. All the things and yet he still invited me to participate in his life. His mercies are new for you today. They're not far away. Let's worship him together. God, we just want to be known completely by you, to hold open our hands to you, amazed by you that you have seen us and you have known us, and you haven't rejected us, but you have Come in the person of Jesus. This once and for all final statement that you want to be near us, you're inviting us to be near you, you're inviting us to lay down all the junk that we've carried with us and just live in the freedom that you offer. God, please, may your mercies that are new, your mercies that pursue us, may that realization dawn on us again today, may we say yes to it, and may we boldly go out and share that fantastic news to others. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.